All right, well, how's everybody doing? So, um, just going to tell you a quick little story about my night last night. Um, so, Tiff went out and, uh, and, and did a thing, and so I had the kids, and uh, we have four kids, by the way, uh, if you don't know, and um, I, I just, I don't have, I don't have, I, I'm not good at that. Um, it, it just falls apart every time. I don't understand, I don't understand why. Um, but I don't, I don't have whatever it is that you need to have to be able to do a lot of things at once. And so last night, things were kind of falling apart quickly. And uh, I mean, it, it was like I, I thought the movie would do it. You know, I put the movie on, the, the babysitter. And it was, it, was getting, it was coming to an end. And about that time, Emma starts crying, the, our, our infant and so I went ahead and got her, and I'm trying, and trying to get her calmed down and fixing a bottle for her. And I get going with that. And then Esther just decides to completely lose it out of, out of nowhere. And there's something about crying child that you can't do anything about. Have you ever experienced this, anyone? It, you, it's like, it, it's, it's as though it were piercing your soul. It's like... You want to pretend it's not happening, but there's no way you can. And for some reason, it's making you become a crazy person on the inside. Uh, maybe I'm the only one that's ever happened to, but this is happening to me last night. I'm like becoming a crazy person. I'm just feeding a bottle, but just because there's some crying going on, I'm becoming a crazy person. And so I finish feeding her the bottle, and I go, and I'm, I'm unwrapping her swaddle, and I reach my hand down, and I stick it in just like full blowout that I didn't know was there. And so I'm like, no. And, and Esther's crying, and I got, you know, my hand covered in stuff. And so I, I'm, so the night just fell apart. I mean, it, it, in just a few minutes, the whole thing just unraveled. And in that moment, I just become this terrible person. You know, I, I just, be, I like completely lose my cool, and, and I can't be a kind person anymore. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but I, I can just completely lose it. And um, there are times when, you know, I surprise myself, actually, and, and, I, and I don't understand why I can fall apart so easily or why I struggle to, to even just read my Bible sometimes. Sometimes I just don't want to. Or sometimes I, I, I don't understand why my faith is so weak that I don't even want to pray. Or There are just times in, in my life where I feel like the person that I am practically isn't matching up with the person that I know God says that I am in Christ. And, and so there's this gap between who I am in positionally in Jesus and who I am practically right now. And if you've been 
trying to follow Jesus for any time, if you've been really wanting to follow him and, and you've been reading his word, the Bible, and, and seeing what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, you've experienced a little bit of this frustration or maybe a lot of this frustration that, that I'm talking about, that, that, that gap between who you are in practice and who you know yourself to be in position in God's sight. And that's, that's kind of where we're going to go today. That's what, what I want to talk about. And hopefully it's going to be some encouragement for us uh, how to, to start kind of closing the gap. And that's really, that's really what this life is all about. From the time we begin to follow Jesus until we die. When we die, we're going to be made like him. And But right now, we're in this process we call sanctification, where we're becoming more and more like him. And and, and what's happening is the gap is closing gradually. We're we're, we're making, we're becoming more um, in practice who we are in position. Um, So go ahead, if you have a Bible, I'm not going to have any verses on the screen. So if you don't have one with you and you would like to follow along, you can just slip your hand up and Zach will give one to you right now. But we're going to be in Colossians 3, and so you can be finding your way to Colossians and then chapter 3, and uh, if, if you want to, you can look in the front. There's, a, there's an index in the front um, that'll show you where to turn. So Colossians chapter 3, but while you're turning there, I want to read you a verse from Philippians chapter 3, and, and it's, it's Philippians 3 verse 20, and it says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We're citizens of heaven. So what that's saying is that we are, we we belong to another world now. We don't belong to this world. We aren't citizens of this world anymore. We're, We're citizens of heaven, of an unseen world for us, but a reality nonetheless. And so we are a heavenly people. That's, that's where we belong. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going to be for eternity. That's where our citizenship is currently. But we don't always act like heavenly people, right? We, we, we act like earthly people. We act like worldly people sometimes. And so uh, we're going to be talking about how to be, start acting like the person that we are um, so, so just to recap, before I get into it, um, it could be said that the goal of all of the Christian life is simply to become in practice who we are in position. And, and we are in Christ. And what Brian talked about last week was the first two verses in Colossians chapter 3 that say, if then you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So, so what it's saying is, because Christ was raised from the dead, we have been raised from death. What, what I'm talking about here is, is our union with Jesus. And this is really important for us to understand. In order for our practice to change, we need to understand some things. When we put our faith in Jesus, and I'm not talking about just an intellectual assent 
to a, a list of facts. I'm not talking about just believing that Jesus, okay, I'll, I can buy that, that he was the son of God. I can buy it, and I can buy that he rose from the grave. I can buy those, I believe it. Because, see, Satan himself believes those things. He actually witnessed them. There's no doubt in his mind that those things happen. There's no question that he is, in fact, the son of God. There's no question that he rose from death. So it's not enough just to believe it happened like you believe that George Washington was our first president. You know, that, that's, it's one thing to believe something happened. It's, a, it's an, another thing altogether to put your trust in a person. And when we talk about faith in Jesus, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about putting your trust in a person, not in a list of facts. And so when we put our faith in a person, in Jesus, something happens supernaturally, and we are actually united with him. We, we actually receive the spirit of Jesus, and we are changed inwardly, and we are credited with all that Jesus did for us. And so we receive the righteousness of Jesus. See, he, 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 he lived and walked on this earth without ever sinning. He lived a completely perfect life, righteous, no sin at all, and we get credited with that. And then when he died on the cross, he died and took our sins upon himself. He took sin to the grave and he defeated sin by resurrecting and see we're we're credited with the fact that he died to sin and we're credited with his resurrection we're we're so united to jesus that what he did is now as though we did it and that's what it means when it says if you've been raised with christ if you've been raised with him, then seek the things that are above where he is. Continue to be caught up in his world. It's your world now. And, and this is what Brian was talking about last week, is that um, this, is, this is what's true for us now, and this is where we're headed, and this is our entire life, is that is we're, we're one with Jesus. We're united with him. And so then it says... Uh, so set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So if that's what's true is that you've been raised with Christ, then, then start thinking in line with what's true about you. And then it's, it says, uh, it's going on from there, I'm going to go ahead and read just the next several verses, and then I'll, and then I'll go back and start to kind of break that down. It says, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these things, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So what we have here is him explaining that because of what's true for you in your position, this is what needs to be true in your practice, right? Um, So it says, very first verse there, verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is talking about that union. Because Jesus died, we've died with him. And Romans 6 goes goes on about this in, in length. It says, just, just listen to this. You don't have to turn there. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, did you catch how there is this, what is true, it's, it's past tense. You have died with Christ. You have been united with him. You have been raised with him. These are true. But there's still this need to believe and appropriate that. Do you see that, how he, how he says, you've got to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God, that is true. But now you've got to live in light of that truth. You need to consider it to be true. Reckon it to be true. So, this is a parallel passage to Colossians. We are hidden in Christ. We are, we are, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. I love that. We're so united to Him that when God the Father looks at us, He sees Jesus. We're hidden. So all the, all the times that we blow it, all those, like my attitude last night, it's, it's hidden. It's hidden in Christ. I am hidden away in Him. He covers me 
He covers me. He, he hides that away. And when the Father looks at me, he's pleased. He's not looking at my failures. It's been paid for on the cross. And now he looks at me and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. I'm hidden in Jesus. So now we, we are trying to learn how to live in light of that. We're trying to learn to consider ourselves to be united with Christ, consider ourselves to be dead to sin, consider ourselves to be alive with a new life. And that's the reality that Paul is talking about. Then it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What's he talking about there? Why does he say when Christ appears? So Jesus, and Brian touched on this last week also, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he walked this earth for 40 days and, and he appeared to a bunch of people. He ate a bunch of meals with them. You know, He was alive and well on the earth and then he ascended into heaven before several of his disciples. He ascended into heaven. And so uh, he can never die again. He's already defeated death. So he's ascended into heaven and, and he's seated on a throne in heaven. But he's coming back again once and for all. And it says in Matthew 24, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about this. But in Matthew 24, verses 30 through 31, it says... Then at last, this is Jesus talking, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and pow- with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Wow, so it's going, to be, it's going to be incredible when he comes back. I actually had a dream about this last night. It was intense. I'm standing outside, and all of a sudden, airplanes start, like, falling out of the sky. I mean, it was crazy. And it, it's, it's, it's going to be a time of mourning for a lot of people, those who didn't put their faith in Jesus, because all of a sudden they're going to realize that the one that they've been mocking all this time and, and that they've been rejecting is real. And uh, it's going to be scary for them. And in my dream, the Bible, there's another place in the Bible where it says that the stars will fall from the sky. This is what was happening. It was like stars were all just like dropping and, the aerop- and there's airplanes crashing and people are screaming and going crazy. And, and anyway, I'm not going it, to, it was a nuts dream. Anyway, it happened to me last night. Okay, so wh- what this is saying is when this happens, we're going to share in his glory. We're going to get to share in his glory because while everyone else is mourning and freaking out, we're going to be like, yeah, I told you. Yes, there he is. And you thought I was crazy, you thought I was insane, and there he is. And he's coming to get me. We get to share in his glory in that moment. It's going to be incredible. So we need to, 
live with that in mind. We need to live with the end in mind, with eternity in mind, what's going to come. And then he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. So because we have died, and that's positionally, we've died with Christ. Now, practically, we need to put to death the stuff in us that's earthly. We need to put that away. And the, the, the best way that I know how to do this, the best way that I know how to kill an earthly desire, an earthly habit, is to replace it with a greater desire. Um, what I mean is, I'll give you an example. My mother-in-law was here a couple weeks ago, and she is like super healthy. And if given the choice, if, if, if you set in front of her an incredible cheeseburger with everything on it, just like amazing, and a grilled chicken salad, she would choose a grilled chicken salad somehow. She would choose a grilled chicken salad. Well, the reason that she would choose a grilled chicken salad over the cheeseburger is because she has this real desire to be healthy. Right? It's not that she doesn't like cheeseburgers. She does. Right? And that looks really good to her. But what looks better to her is being healthy. She, she wants that more. And so because she wants that more, she's able to say no to the cheeseburger. I don't know how she does it. I can't do it. My mouth is watering. It's pouring right now because I'm talking about cheeseburgers. But she can look at the cheeseburger and say no to it because she has a greater desire than that. She wants to be healthy really badly, right? And uh, somebody, I don't remember who, a long time ago, called it the expulsive power of a greater affection. How do you expel the desires that you have in you that are evil, but that you can't seem to get rid of with a greater desire, a greater affection, by wanting something else more. So when sin comes along and it looks really good to you, like that cheeseburger, then how do you say no to it? By wanting Jesus more. See how that works? And that's, that is the, the best way that I know how to, how to say no to what's earthly in us. To put what's earthly in us to death. We've got to want Jesus more than we want the things of this world. We've got to learn that that's where our life is. That's where we are. We are, we are united with Him. That's, that's what real life is, is Jesus. And so we've got to long for Him. And, and, and when we want Jesus more than we want the stuff of this world, then we can say no to the stuff of this world. And that's how we put to death what's earthly in us. And we've got to know that that's our new nature. We've got to realize that those sinful desires in us, that's not us anymore. 
That's not us. That's, that's the sin that's residing within this body of death that we're going to leave behind. But it's not us. It's not who we are at the core of our being anymore. Not if we're in Christ. Not if we've been made a new creature. And so we, we realize what our new identity is. We realize that life is all about Jesus. And we go after Jesus instead of the sin. Sin, sin has no power over a dead person, right? Sin can't have any power over a dead person. A dead person can't be tempted, right? And it says you have died with Christ. So consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. So how, how do we go about getting more of a desire for Jesus? I mean, ultimately, um, we can, if we realize that we, we should have more of a desire for Him, but we, we don't, then what we need is to know how to have more of a desire for Him, right? And this is where it just gets really simple. I, I know nothing better I know nothing, it's not complicated. There's nothing better to increase your desire for Jesus than spending time with Jesus in His Word. The Word of God is powerful. It's powerful. And it, it renews your mind, it renews your thinking. When you spend time in it, it changes you. I mean, so I mean, looking across this, so many people here have had that experience. That of, as you study, as you read it, it changes you. It changes your thinking, and it changes you from the inside out. And so, we we spend time in the Word, but it's not just a book to be learned, like we would study a history book. It's a living document. We we go to it to see Jesus. Jesus said, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you will find life, but it's they that point to me. It's the Scriptures that point to me. And so we go to the, to the Bible to encounter Jesus, to spend time with Him. And as we do that, we, we grow in our desire for Him. As we get to know Him more, we want to know Him more. And so... We, we need to spend time with Him. And we need to spend time in prayer. We, this is how, practically, this is how we seek after God. is by getting on our knees and saying, I want more of you. I want to experience more of you. I want you to come in and invade. I want you to change me. I want you to make me more like the person that I know that I am in Christ. But we, don't, we don't do that very often. If you if you were walking along at night and you dropped a nickel in the grass, how long would you crawl around on your hands and knees to try and find that nickel? Okay, well, I wouldn't look for very long. Okay, a nickel I would I would crawl around for about ten seconds, and then I would go, oh well, I lost a nickel. But what if you lost, what if you misplaced $100,000? 
What if, yeah, what if somehow you had $100,000 to misplace and you misplaced it? How long would you search? You would search forever until you found it, right? You would search for a long, long time because its value makes it worth it. But how do we search for God? Like He's a nickel? Right? We sit down for 30 minutes and we read a little bit of the Bible maybe and we pray for a few minutes and oh, no encounter with God today and we get up, we give up, we go about our business like He's a nickel. And He's an infinitely valuable being. He He is the source of all life. He is the source of all satisfaction. And we and we just give up because we didn't encounter him in a few minutes. But he says, seek and you will find. So the problem is not with him, it's with us. We just aren't seeking him hard enough. That's why we don't have encounters with him that change us. So, If you haven't found him, it's because you're not seeking him hard enough. It's because you're not going hard enough after him. So it says, put to death what's earthly in us. And then it gives us this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So this is just a short list. Um, Sexual immorality. What, what's that? It's, it's, any, it's any sexual act outside of marriage between a man and a woman. That's sexual immorality. So, if you're wondering, is this? Well, ask yourself that simple question. Is it, is it sex between a husband and a wife? If it's not, yes. The answer is yes. So, it says put it to, put it to death. Put it away. Get rid of it. Um, impurity. I mean, that's, that's dealing with the mind, with the heart, right? What, what, are your, what are your thoughts like? God sees them all. Evil desire, or passion, sorry, passion. That's talking about earthly passion. That, that, that's all wrapped up in all kinds of stuff that we go after that's not of God, like that desire for worldly praise or, or, or worldly fame or power, evil desire. And that's any desire for sinful things. It's evil, wicked. Put it to death. Covetousness, just wanting what's not yours, what God has said isn't yours. You know, that, that's idolatry, it says. Because, because it's saying, God, you're not enough. I need that too. God, you're not enough because I also need this to be happy. And it's, it's idolatry. It's putting something else in the place of God. And then it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
Is it coming for us? Christians, is it coming for us? No. No, the wrath of God is not coming for us. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus when he hung on the cross for us. Cannot be poured out twice. The wrath of God will not come for those who are in Christ. But it will for those who are not. And so he's saying, look, this stuff is going to have to be punished. Don't dabble in it. Don't mess with it. Right? This is, you're, you're not, this isn't you anymore. And that's what, he, that's what he goes on to say. He says, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. But that's not you anymore. You're, you're now an adopted son or daughter of God. You now have a new inheritance and a new identity. And so... That's not you anymore. And, and we're not slaves to those things anymore. We don't have to do those things anymore. We're free of that. And then he goes on and gives another list. Put, put, now must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So, because your position has changed, you can put off the old self. Because your position has changed, you can change how you live. And it says you're being renewed in knowledge. As you get to know your creator, you become more and more like him. We, we, we are renewed as we study his word, as we get to know who God is. And then finally... It says here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus is, it's all about Jesus. We say it all the time here. It's all about Jesus. All of life is about Jesus. And until we figure that out, we're going to be constantly searching. We're going to go to other things to try and satisfy, and it will always leave us empty. But Jesus is all. So, what about you? Here, here's where I just want you to do a little bit of introspection. What about you? Have you ever given Jesus everything? Have you ever just turned it over to Him? And maybe today God is working on you. Maybe He's stirring in you. And you, you can sense that. And he's wanting you right now today to just give over everything to him. Or maybe you're like me and there was a time in your life where you burned a little hotter. You, you, were, you were on fire for Jesus and then the fire started to kind of go out. And you quit feeding it with the word and with prayer. and So it started to smolder. Maybe... Maybe this morning what you need is just to make a new commitment to go hard after God. You just need to go, you just need to return to Him and realize that, look, He doesn't need you to do anything to earn your way back into His favor. The gospel is that you are constantly in His favor. You, all this time, maybe you've been running, you've been hidden in Christ. Maybe you've been drifting. Maybe this week you've been just living completely 
like you weren't a follower of Jesus. Right now, you can return. You can walk right back into his presence. It's that simple. You can, you can just say, Lord, I want, I want back in. I want the fire back. And it's that simple. You can just let the walls down and invite the Holy Spirit in to set you ablaze. So uh, as we sing this, this next song, I just want us to have an opportunity to respond to whatever it is that the Lord might be stirring in you. If it's, if it's God is stirring in you and you've never put your trust in Jesus, maybe you've even believed in Jesus intellectually, but you've never, you've never given over everything to him. This is your chance right now. Or maybe you've just kind of let the fire go out You've been drifting. Maybe you've become indifferent and cold. And this is your opportunity right now just to to say, God, I'm sorry. I want back in. I want you to set me on fire. During this song, I want you to respond however you feel like responding. And don't, don't let pride get in your way here. If you need to get on the ground and get on your knees before the Lord, then do that. Nobody's gonna judge you. If you need to come up here Kneel before the cross, do that. If you need to stand and sing and praise God during this, do that. If you need to just sit quietly and pray in your seat, that, that's fine. You do whatever you need to do to respond to whatever God is stirring in you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you promised that it will not return void. That when your word goes out, it makes changes in people. And I pray that, that we would all um, respond in whatever way it is that you want us to respond this morning. That we would desire more of you and that we would seek after you harder. That we would see that there is nothing, there is nothing more valuable in the universe than you. And nothing that will satisfy us but you. I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, a lasting work, Holy Spirit. We just invite you here right now to be with us and to work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.